Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. We're going to share the uh, uh, near death experience of Ned Doherty. And uh, this will be uh, in, uh, as a preparation for a discussion we'll have afterward about near death experience and prophecy because Ned Doherty had a great deal of, of prophetic experience about his in the future of America and so forth. So we're going to talk about that a little bit afterward. Uh, but let's go ahead and dive into the near-death experience. This account is from near-death.com. And uh, we're going to start from when the, the experience is full on. He, he, he's already dead and, and, and so forth. And he's suffering from a heart attack is, is what's going on. Okay, he says, As a massive field of energy began to form in the sky directly in front of me, I heard a loud grinding mechanical noise as the mass of energy shaped itself into a cylinder funneling upwards. It seemed as if the darkness of the sky turned into liquid as the mass of energy curled like an ocean wave and formed a perfect tunnel that stretched into the heavens. As I stared into the large and imposing tunnel of energy, a, a shimmering, luminescent blue field of energy began to float down the tunnel toward me. As it rapidly approached, I watched the luminescent blue field mass in a form, in, uh, mass into a form, and began to materialize into an image of a human being. As the image composed itself, I found myself face to face with an old friend. His name was Dan McCampbell, but I had never expected to see him again. After all, he'd been killed in Vietnam. As Dan and I communicated, I realized that we did not speak to each other as we had communicated in our earthly lives. As soon as I thought, Dan, I recognize you, it was communicated to him. We were communicating telepathically, which connotes a communication of words between minds by means other than vocal communication. But such a description falls short of the spiritual communication we were experiencing. We were not only communicating with words, we were communicating with feel, feelings and emotions. As we thought, we also emanated our thoughts. Both thoughts and emotions were being communicated telepathically and spiritually in a manner that far surpassed uh, normal human communication. Dan communicated to me, you are on the threshold of an important journey. Each of these places and events and events that are before you are for you to absorb as much as you can. It is important that you remember everything you see before you. You will be going back and you must go back with what you have with what you experience. You have a mission ahead of you in your life, and this experience will guide you on that mission. Suddenly, I was enveloped in this brilliant golden light. The light was more brilliant than the light emanating from the sun, many times more powerful and radiant than the sun itself. Yet it was not blinded, or I was not blinded by it, nor was I burned by it. Instead, the light was a source of energy that embraced my being. I was alone in the glow of this light and suspended before a magnificent presence. I immediately believed that I was in the presence of God, my Creator. 
I felt that God was embracing me, and he had a love for me, a love greater than any love I had ever known on earth. I realized that God was bestowing his light of love on me, as his light transformed from a brilliant golden light to a pure white light. As I became more accepting of God's love, the light of God became brighter, of a pure whiteness beyond description. When I sensed that my spiritual being had received God's love to the point of overflowing, I became aware that God was stabilizing and energizing my being in preparation for my mission. I realized that I would be returning to earthly life and that God was preparing and orienting me for that return. God began to imbue me with universal knowledge. I realized that I had always thirsted for this knowledge, and I wanted to observe, absorb as much as I could. As I remained suspended in God's light, I felt this knowledge penetrate and absorbed by my spiritual being. This knowledge was flowing through me in the same manner as God's love, pulsating through my being. Dan was back at my side again. We ascended together from God's light into a universe of bright stars. We were again in the deepest void of space, but now I felt comfortable in this environment as well as in my spirit body, and I felt at home in this celestial location. As Dan and I continued to descend, I was startled by a magnificent ethereal structure directly below us. The heavenly structure resembled an amphitheater, amphitheater similar to those found in ancient civilizations. This amphitheater was made of a bright or of a brilliant crystal-like substance that radiated multicolored waves of energy throughout its form. The amphitheater was suspended in the void of space in the same fashion that a space station might hover in space. The amphitheater was similar in size to a sports stadium and conveyed a great majesty. As Dan and I descended closer to the amphitheater, I realized that it was filled with thousands of spiritual beings. We hovered directly over the structure, and I felt a vibrant energy envelop me. The energy seemed to come from the crystalline structure of the amphitheater. The lower we descended, the more I was drawn to the energy. I sensed that the thousands of spiritual beings there were also absorbing this energy. They were sending out waves of energy to one another as well as to Dan and me. We were now descending onto the celestial field, which was surrounded by the large arc of the amphitheater. Although I first felt it as energy, I recognized that the energy emanating from the crystalline structure was also a symphonic sound. Soon Dan and I were suspended in the center of the celestial field, which meant that <coughs> we were the focus of attention for the thousands of spiritual beings positioned through the amphitheater, throughout the amphitheater. Above, below, and behind us was a deep void of space. In front of us, thousands of spiritual beings were communicating by musical sounds, feelings of good will to me. Their sounds of greeting were in harmony with the symphonic sounds of energy emanating from the amphitheater. Once I settled onto the celestial field, 
I could look directly into the crystalline surface of the amphitheater and watch as multicolored prisms of light pulsated through the structure. I was overwhelmed by the awesome sight before me, but the feelings of love that were conveyed to me by the spiritual beings were even more overwhelming. The spiritual beings were cheering me, conveying love, loving encouragement and support. You are doing wonderfully. We are here to support you. Continue to do your good work and we will help you. You are part of us and we are a part of you. We stand ready to come to your aid when you need us and you will. Call us, beckon us. We will flock to you when the time comes. Frankly, I was confused by all the attention. There wasn't anything wonderful about the way I had conducted my life. Perhaps the spiritual beings were speaking of what was yet to come. They certainly could not have been speaking of earlier earlier events in my life. I thought, how can I be doing wonderfully? I almost killed someone tonight. Could I be justified in what I tried to do? Dan interceded. You were spiritually rescued from a negative event that was taking place in your life. You tried to communicate a negative thought concerning this event. You cannot speak of such things here. There are no negative thoughts here, only positive affirmations. They cannot hear you. They will not hear you when you speak or think in negativity. You must be positive to perform your mission. I turned to my right. Realizing that a group of spiritual beings had joined us in this, joined us on the celestial field, this event was indeed a fourth uh, homecoming for me. Among the group of spiritual beings, I recognized deceased friends and relatives from my life. I also recognized other friends from my spiritual life prior to my birth on Earth. I was filled with joy when I recognized my grandparents, aunts, and uncles who had died during my life. However, I was disappointed because I did not see my dad among the group. I then recognized other friends from my life, including a girl from high school. I did not know she had died. The feelings of love and joy that I shared with these relatives and friends were far beyond the, emo- far beyond the emotions I had shared with them during my life. That's an interesting sentence. I'm going to say it again, just in case I forget to refer back to it. The feelings of love and joy that I shared with these relatives and friends were far beyond the emotions I had shared with them during my life. As the child of an alcoholic in a broken home, I did not communicate feelings to relatives or friends very well. In fact, I wasn't aware that I had, that I had many feelings. Most of my feelings were hidden inside. Now that I was at my homecoming as a spiritual being, the greetings were the kind that I had imagined taking or took place in a, uh, in a healthy family. It seemed as if we were celebrating every major holiday, every birth and birthday, every wonderful event of our lives in a manner that we could never celebrate as human beings. I wanted this celebration and homecoming to continue forever but a silence suddenly fell across the crowded amphitheater. As the movie-like scenes of my future life ended, I found myself in a building which became known to me as the Hall of Records. And uh, let me just interject here real quick. Um, That was kind of a jump. It looks like from a note in here that uh, he is encountered by a... uh, uh, 
a woman dressed in white that he calls the Lady of Light um, and shows some of his personal future of creating a mission of angels as well as prophecies regarding the future of the world. Okay, so that's a little note in there. I assume he has a book or something. Hopefully by the end of this we'll see what, uh, if, if you want to read more of his stuff that you can um, read what he experienced. But let's continue the thing. He, uh, so he comes to this place known as the Hall of Records. I was sitting on a marble bench and waiting. From there I could look outdoors through a large opening at the side of the room. I could see columns of large pillars supporting an archway of the building in which I sat. In front of the columns, there was a long stairway leading to a large open courtyard. I sensed that I was in this great and magnificent structure on Earth, on, on Earth only during another time period. The architecture and design of the building led me to conclude that this place was probably in ancient Egypt. However, I did not see any other beings or human activity. I concluded I was still in the celestial realm. The Lady of Light appeared in the room before me. She stood next to a large globe of earth, which was suspended in a large circular frame attached to the marble floor. The Lady of Light began to speak to me about, future event, uh, about the future of the world as she pointed to the globe. I watched as she pointed to the Middle East, and I saw a flashpoint of light. She then pointed to Italy, and I saw another flashpoint. Then flashpoints broke out rapidly throughout the Middle East and Europe, representing major incidents, world events caused by mankind, acts of aggression, terrorism, and war. Fanatical, self-proclaimed religious groups supposedly acting in the name of God uh, performed many of these acts. But I was told the acts of war and aggression were not part of God's plan. I was shown a vision of a large plateau in the Middle East. The plateau was surrounded by a dusty, large, or sorry, by a dusty, dry, and barren region that seemed to be deserted and devoid of any life. I told that future events at this location made in the Middle East would start a chain reaction of, uh, of man-made catastrophic events, first in the Middle East, then in Africa and Europe, followed by events in Russia and China. The Lady of Light showed me another scene of Earth suspended in space. I watched as the axis of Earth's rotation began to shift significantly. I could not tell how much time the shift took, nor was I shown a time or date when it would take place. I could tell that significant geophysical changes to the Earth's surface would take place as a result of the shifting of Earth's axis. Great earthquakes erupted throughout the world, significantly changing the major continents. There were volcanic eruptions of great magnitude, spewing clouds of billowing smoke and ash throughout the atmosphere, sending the earth into a period of darkness. Great floods resulted from melting or shifting polar ice caps. Many low-lying land areas were engulfed by huge tidal waves. I watched scenes of these events taking place, depicted like black and white movies. I watched one scene from a hilltop location on the coastline of Long Island, New York. As rows of massive tidal waves descended on the coastline, burying the land underwater. I saw another scene from a street corner in New York City. 
A wall of water rushed down the wide street as surrounding office buildings began to collapse. In another scene, I watched as a massive wall of water hit the coastline of Miami Beach. In its wake, I watched as an entirely new landmass rose up out of the ocean. The Lady of Light told me that none of these events would have to take place if mankind began to recognize and work with God's plan. The Lady of Light told me, the way to understand and work with God's plan is through prayer and meditation, through prayer to call to God, and through meditation to receive His message. I was told that the world could be saved, not by its leaders, but by prayer groups throughout the world. I was told that the prayers of a group of 20 could save a nation from war. I was told that the fate of mankind rested on our, on our ability, individually and collectively, to change the direction of mankind in accordance with God's plan. There's a little note here that says, At this point, Doherty meets an incredibly, incredible-looking being he refers to as the Magnificent Man, who fits the description of Jesus Christ, wearing a flowing white robe, having long flowing and slightly curling auburn hair, and clo a closely trimmed beard, and, it's, and is preoccupied with children. Seems to fit the bill. <laughs> uh, continuing. A flood of questions raced through my mind as I was shown events that I understood were to take place on the earth in the future, during the end times. I was aware of the presence of the Lady of Light, visible to my right, viewing the scenes that were before me. I realized that the Lady of Light was also influencing my viewing of the scenes of the end times. As I focused on her, I recognized her place and prominence in the sequence of events that were to take place during the end times. I was aware that the earthly landscape of mountainside and valley was visible beyond the vastness of space that represented the end times. In other words, I was being shown an earthly landscape that would exist following the end times. I recognized that the end times did not mean the end of the world. It meant the end of the world as we know it, but it also meant the beginning of a new world. I perceived that the earthly landscape in the distance was part of the new world, but it seemed so far away, barely discernible, almost mystical, like a dream world. Now I'm going to stop reading the account at this point. There is a little bit more, most of which is given in the third person in this account. Again, this is on near-death.com, and just look up Ned Doherty, which is spelled D-O-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y. Um, and also, I will check real quick to see if, uh, if he's written a book. And yes, he has, and it is called Fast Lane to Heaven, published in 2001. So you can look up that Fast Lane to Heaven by Ned Doherty if you would like to hear more. The reason, one of the reasons I wanted to share this experience is to talk a little bit more about prophecy in the near-death experience. We have touched briefly on this, and I'd like to go into a little bit more detail about this because I think it's significant. Uh, first off, um, we have to be careful in our um, discipletizing um, of the 
of this kind of experience. A lot of times, I, I shouldn't say a lot of times, but you'll occasionally hear somebody who has such an experience and they kind of develop this following group and kind of develop like a church and, and it becomes like this kind of prepper group that that kind of goes a little bit weird. I, I, I shouldn't say it that way because... Um, because you know these people probably have had genuine experiences and uh, encountered heavenly beings and so forth that uh, led to some of um, these kind of followings and and for some reason it seems that these kind of groups focus around those who have these kind of end times things. I, I think it's I think it's because of our fascination with the idea of prophecy, you know, the idea of somebody seeing the future and being able to predict the future and and while i think there is something to be said for prophecy and and while i don't want to discount what they experience i also want to point out what they themselves say about it at least that ned says about it and many others um who have these experiences and the uh heavenly beings that tell them of these experiences say about them. And that is that, I'm going to quote here from his words, he says, the Lady of Light told me that none of these future events would have to take place if mankind began to recognize and work with God's plan. And then she, or he, she even tells him that even the prayers of a group of 20 people could save a nation from war, which means that any one of these things that he sees, you know, the water rushing down uh, uh, New York or wherever it was, um, a prayer group of 20 may be able to prevent that, which means a prayer group of 20 may also be able to save another nation. They may also be able to prepare a people for experiences so that instead of being negative experiences that, that could be shown in these kind of things, that positive things could be shown. So, you know, when we talk about these things, people tend to assume that by prophecy, we mean an unchangeable um, inevitability, a destiny, a, a predestined uh, outcome that will happen as if the timeline of Earth's experience is set in stone and can't be changed. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Now, there are things that can be foreseen that can't be prevented by people. I mean, you you think of something like a, an, you know, well, for example, I mean, and, and actually, let me, let me say this too. It talks about the Earth's axis shifting, and that he, and yet, it talks about also that these things don't have to happen if people will work within God's plan. And that's not to say, because it doesn't seem consistent with this, to say that, uh, that if people are evil, that God is going to punish them by causing this axis change or whatever. It sounds more like the natural outcome of doing these things that God has asked us to do, living in the way that God wants us to live, the natural outcome is one of peace and love and serenity and, and you know, the end of war, the end of these kinds of destructions. And how that fits in with something as grand as the earth shifting on its axis, I don't know. Now, 
could that shift be caused by some man-made thing? I don't know, nuclear, whatever. I don't know what it would take to do something that big uh, from man's own agency. I don't know. But there may be more to this agency thing than just what we can physically bring about by our intention. Meaning, you know, we talk about energies and we talk about things that people are able to do with their thoughts and so forth. I don't know how that works. I, I can't give you the mechanics of that. I just don't know it. But it appears from what near-death experiencers are saying that when you get enough people thinking positive, loving thoughts toward, say, a nation or something, that it changes the outcome. It changes what happens there, including the weather, including other aspects of things that that uh, don't seem to have the ability to directly affect you know it's not it's not like you know if we teach love then people will stop choosing war that is a definite obvious outcome that we can all understand at least on a conceptual level and yet to say if we follow god's plan then there won't be all these earthquakes and and uh, uh, shifting of the earth and so forth I'm not entirely sure whether that's what it's saying or not, but there is precedent for the idea of people's thoughts and and their uh, what they're working toward, what they're doing, what they're putting their mind to happening, whether directly happening as they're thinking or the thing happening as a direct result of the kind of thoughts that they're thinking. You may be thinking negative thoughts like, oh, the government's so corrupt, whatever, and yet it may be affecting negatively on something else. I, you know, again, I don't know the mechanics of it, so I can't tell you um, how this all works. But the point in all of this is to say that when you read of these prophecies, read them as cautionary tales, as encouragements, to do God's will, because that's what he, he says, to, that uh, um, they don't have to take place if mankind began to recognize and work with God's plan. Now, of course, it is one of the great missions in life to f learn what exactly God's plan for us is, both as a nation, as individuals, and uh, as churches, as followers, and as as I have expressed before, I am Christian. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I put a great deal of stock in that. And there are prophecies in the scriptures that I hold, you know, as, as absolutes, such as the second coming of Jesus Christ, and so forth. But again, that's a positive thing. That's something that we want to happen. And I'd love to be part of preparing the way for that in some way and, and such. But the point is, is that when you hear these experiences, don't take them as gospel truth, if you will, in terms of facts of what is going to happen in the future. Because as many experiencers say, that is not, they're not set in stone, that these are potential outcomes. And which means also that if, if these aren't going to happen because we do align ourselves as a society over time, it, it obviously it's not going to happen overnight, but as a society we begin to acknowledge the existence of God, the, 
the purposes of God, the love of God, and just start to spread this message of love to the rest of the world as it gets out, if that pe- message penetrates, then there's no reason to think that these things don't won't happen and that what does happen in return will be something much, much more beautiful and much, much more powerful than just the lack of terror happening. You know what I mean? So instead of there being cataclysmic events that uh, hurt people, there could be physically cataclysmic events that bring the nations together in ways that we can't even imagine. That's all I'm going to say about that, because I don't even know what that would mean or what that would look like. Um, I would be fascinated to hear more experiencers saying, um, if you do shape up, this is what the potentials are. <laughs> this if, you know, and, and actually I have heard several, but I would love to hear more. Basically what I hear, though, is a golden age of humanity, um, which I think is coming. And... And again, I say I am a I am a student of near death experiences, but I am a follower and believer in Jesus Christ. So, where these experiences fall in line with my with my convictions, my religious spiritual convictions, I I accept them, at least as potentially true, uh, or potential outcomes or whatever. But um, but I do have that foundation, religious foundation as well. And I say that and I repeat it over and over, both to, to let you know that I'm not an unbiased um, you know, researcher that is looking strictly at the scientific you know, facts of these things. And yet I am deeply interested in these things partly because of my religious background and partly because of, of my love for learning and curiosity and so forth. And, and partly because, you know, I, I believe enough of the stuff that I want to be doing what God wants me to do. And I want to be putting my life in order for Him, whatever that means. And so I'm hoping that in our learning of these things, in our seeking out of of what God is saying to anyone to, you know, when it's a real experience with God, I want to know about it. I want to know about it. And if, if it's personal just for the individual, so be it. But if it's something that, that is like this, a shared, you know, he was clearly sent from what we read to, to send this message of warning, of, of preparation and so forth. And there are others that are sent back with just the message, tell them to love, tell them to love. And so that is such an important message. And, and that's ultimately what the message of all of this is, uh, seems to be getting at, is the message of love. So anyway, uh, give us a call at our uh, hotline, if you will. Our phone number is 970-633-2278. That's 970-NDE-CAST. You can share your experience. You can share a question, a comment, whatever you'd like to say. Also, you can email neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com or you can comment on the website, which is neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. And once again, thank you, all of you, so much.